0: Welcome to Eye on the Triangle with Seja Hindi, a weekly glimpse into our community, bringing you news from the brickyard to your backyard.
1: This weekend news on Eye on the Triangle
0: a brief rundown of the latest news.
2: Good evening. This is the news for September 14th, 2009 for Eye on the Triangle. I'm Evan Garris. And I'm Jack Boyer. The AP reports that the Attorney General of New York, Andrew Cuomo, is expected to
3: file charges against the executives of Bank of America. This comes after a $33 million settlement between the Securities and Exchange Commission against the Bank of America was thrown out by a federal judge today because it wasn't enough. This all stems from Bank of America's acquisition of Merrill Lynch, a distressed financial services firm exactly a year ago today. It was widely assumed that without direct intervention by Bank of America, Merrill Lynch would not have survived last year's financial panic. In short, Merrill Lynch distributed $3.6 billion of TARP, or federal bailout money, in the form of executive bonuses before the Bank of America deal was finalized. Merrill Lynch had already lost $27.6 billion in 2008. By way of comparison, Bank of America received $45 billion in TARP money to help absorb the losses that came with the Merrill Lynch takeover. The problem is the Bank of America had told its shareholders that it would not allow Merrill Lynch bonuses to be paid out without their approval. The SEC filed a complaint in federal court in August alleging that Bank of America had authorized these bonuses without informing investors. This matter will now proceed to trial on February 1, 2010. The unnamed source in this story claims that the charges Como is expected to file regard the failure of executives at Bank of America to disclose these bonuses, write-downs, and other losses to shareholders before a vote to approve the Merrill Lynch deal.
2: Life sentences have been handed down to three men for their role in a 2006 terrorism plot to blow up airplanes flying from the United Kingdom to the U.S. with liquid explosives. CNN in London is reporting that the ringleader, Abdullah Ahmed Aili is a 28-year-old man, must serve 40 years before eligible for parole. Justice Richard Enrique called him a serious danger to the public for a long time and a driven, determined extremist with boundless energy. 29-year-old Asar Sawar, a co-conspirator, must serve 36 years before parole eligibility. Another man, 28-year-old Tanvir Hussain, must serve 32 years before the possibility of parole. The three men insist that they were planning to detonate bombs at key sites as, as a political statement not to kill anyone, according to the CNN report. The three men were arrested in August 2006, which led to sweeping restrictions on the amounts and types of liquids passengers could take on airplanes. A previous trial found the jury unable to reach a verdict on charges of endangering the safety of aircraft, so prosecutors moved forward on another trial with charges of plotting to murder by blowing up planes. Prosecutors were still seeking a retrial for other, the three other men on which the jury could not reach a verdict.
3: Germany and France have already emerged from their recessions, and the 14 other nations that use the euro currency may be ready to join them soon. A report from the European Commission says, quote, the economy appears to be at a turning point, according to the BBC. Despite the numbers indicating a slight drop in industrial production, it forecasts slight growth for the entire eurozone in the third quarter. The report also anticipates that the United Kingdom and Italy will emerge from their recessions after the July through September figures are in. The Commission said that this good news was due to, quote, unprecedented government stimulus that had helped to boost overall economic activity.
2: October 1st promises to be an interesting day in the ongoing saga of Iranian nuclear weapon development, according to the BBC. That is, if everything comes together. The spokeswoman for European Union foreign policy chief, Javier Solana, said that he had reached the agreement with Iran's chief nuclear negotiator, Saeed Jalili, over the telephone. Mr. Solana has so far represented the UK, China, France, Russia, and Germany, along with the US, in dealing with Iran. This upcoming meeting is expected to include delegates from each of these 3 countries or each of these countries, but a venue has not been agreed upon. This is a slight change from Sunday when Iranian President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad said the said that Iran's nuclear program was not negotiable. As a result, some observers have anticipated that Iran will not directly address its own nuclear program but focus instead on other global security issues. Meanwhile, the US has called it an important first step ahead of President Obama's end-of-the-month deadline to start talks.
3: Our elementary school teachers had always told us to raise our hands before speaking, but one would think otherwise after three high-profile incidents this past week. On Wednesday, during President Obama's health care speech before both houses of Congress, South Carolina Congressman Joe Wilson yelled, quote, You lie, after the president stated that illegal immigrants would not be eligible for participation in the planned health care bill. This led to condemnation from both Republican and Democratic leaders and a swift apology to the president from Wilson. However, in the days following the outburst, Representative Wilson has distanced himself from his apology after it proved to be popular with some of his constituents. In less than a week's time, more than $1 million in funds have been raised between Wilson and his Democratic opponent in the race for Wilson's seat in
2: 2010. Saturday at the U.S. Open, tennis player Serena Williams forfeited a semifinals match for a profanity-laced tirade at a line judge. She is now facing a $10,000 fine for unsportsmanlike conduct and is facing even more action from the head of the tournament.
3: Then last night at the MTV Video Music Awards, rapper Kanye West stole the microphone as Taylor Swift was accepting the award for Best Female Music Video and said that Beyonce, who was also nominated in the same category, had, quote, one of the best videos of all time. Though Kanye has apologized, his actions drew the ire of numerous figures in the entertainment industry and the chagrin of Beyonce.
2: The Sun Journal of New Bern, North Carolina, reported that five and a half million dead fish, mostly Atlantic Menhaden, have fouled the Neuse River. The kill is abnormally large, but winding down, according to Lower Neuse Riverkeeper Larry Baldwin. Though test results aren't in yet, experts believe that fish died after saltwater on the bottom of the river mixed with freshwater along the surface.
3: The latest drought outlook issued by the National Drought Mitigation Center has western portions of the Triangle in a moderate drought. Almost all of central North Carolina is abnormally dry, and areas stretching from Durham to Asheboro, including our area's reservoirs, is faring worse than most. NOAA's Climate Prediction Center is anticipating a greater likelihood for rain on September 17th, and also over the next 6 to 14 days, which leads to today's weather from the NCSU Broadcast Meteorology Program. Uh, tonight, expect a mostly clear night with a low of 60 degrees. Tuesday, we heat up even warmer than today to 88 under mostly sunny skies. Tuesday night, expect a low of 65 with mostly cloudy skies. Then we introduce a possibility for rain from Wednesday all the way through Friday, about a 40% chance with a high temperature of 83 on Wednesday. Right now, it's 81 and partly cloudy at RDU Airport.
2: On this day in 1901, President William McKinley died after an assassination attempt on September 6 and was succeeded by Theodore Roosevelt.
3: And... Uh, Ten years ago on Wednesday, Hurricane Floyd made landfall near Cape Fear as a Category 2 hurricane. The storm prompted the evacuation of 2.6 million southeast U.S. residents ahead of its landfall. Most of the 35 fatalities in North Carolina were a result of flooding when up to 19 inches of rain fell on the state, exacerbated by the nearly 15 inches Hurricane Dennis had just produced. The high water along the Neuse, Tar, Waccamaw, Roanoke, New, and Pamlico rivers continued for weeks. The cities of Rocky Mount and Greenville were hardest hit. 23,000 homes were destroyed or abandoned, and 56,000 were damaged to some extent, resulting in billions of dollars of damage to the North Carolina
2: economy. Two birthday shout-outs today, one to Amy Winehouse, our favorite English singer, and Dmitry Medvedev, president of Russia.
3: And that does it for the news. You're now up to date.
4: Welcome back to another episode of Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. I'm Seja Hindi, and you just heard this week's newscast from John Boyer and Evan Garris. We have some great interviews in our segments for tonight's show, so be sure to stay tuned in. In our VIP segment tonight, we will be discussing the Durham-Raleigh divide, with interviews from Durham Mayor Bill Bell, Triangle residents Joseph Commenda, and Rachel Neighbors, and our resident Triangle expert, who many of you may remember as WKNC's general manager from last year, Kyle Robb. In Community Canvas and Hear This, Mike Austin and Kelly Reed will give you a sneak preview to the arts and music coming up in Raleigh's Sparkon Festival this week. Then you can listen into Jacob's sit-down interview with the student of the week, Scott Richardson, former president of the NC State chapter of Toastmasters. And finally, we'll wrap up the show with Caitlin Cawley's sound bites about how students feel about NC State athletics. We'll also be playing music clips in between segments. All courtesy, of some of the artists from the Music Spark lineup. And now on to VIP.
5: The Triangle's VIP.
0: Talking to people that matter.
4: Before we listen to our first two interviews from the Triangle residents, I'm going to let Kyle Robb introduce himself and give us a little history of Raleigh. If you have any questions or comments throughout the interviews and commentary, tweet your thoughts to WKNC 881, send us an instant message to WKNC requests, or call the studio lines at 515-2400 or 860-0881.
6: Thank you for that warm intro, uh, Sasha. Uh, as she mentioned, uh, I am a former uh, general manager of WKNC. I don't know if I'd call myself a Raleigh-Durham expert, but uh, a little bit in my background. Uh, I grew up in Durham. I lived in Durham for 15 years. Uh, then I moved to Charlotte, lived in Charlotte for three years, lived in Raleigh for four years, and I currently reside in Chapel Hill, so I have a little bit of a, a taste of uh, the entirety of the triangle. Uh, Sajid so invited me to be on the show, and uh, I thought it was a great idea because uh we live in a unique metro area in the United States, uh, not wholly unique, but it isn't sort of the average. If you look at uh, Charlotte, you have one large city and then a bunch of smaller suburban communities that exist uh, pretty much exclusively uh, symbiotically with the existence of Charlotte, whereas with Raleigh and Durham, we have a, a long history of two cities that actually grew up independently, and some were uh, merged together as a metropolitan area in the 50s, uh, so both You uh, essentially have a a strange situation, which, you know, this also occurs in San Francisco and Oakland or Minneapolis and St. Paul. We actually have two centers to the metropolitan area, uh, each of them with their own special uh, qualities, as it were, their own culture, their own, uh, uh, you know, their own flavor, if it will. Um, You know, so you don't just have a a simple suburban community, but you actually have two unique communities. So we're going to talk about the, the difference, the split and what we call the triangle. Uh, what we know is one area, but may actually be two areas. Uh, and then we're going to get into a little bit of, I guess, the history between them.
4: That sounds great. Thanks, Kyle. And now we will switch over to our first interview for VIP.
6: All right. The Triangle is full of people who haven't lived here all of their
7: lives. For a perspective from a transplanted Triangle resident, I on the Triangle spoke to webcomic artist and web developer, Joseph Kamenda.
0: I've been living in the Triangle since about 1994. So more than 15 years, about 15 years. Um, In that time, I've lived in uh, Garner, Raleigh, Morrisville, Carborough, and I've worked in RTP, Raleigh, and now Durham for the last year. Raleigh and Durham have both changed quite a bit. Uh, If you want to go to like a real urban city, that's Durham. If you want something in between, that's more of Raleigh. Durham, because of the um, the conversion of the American Tobacco Warehouse and the new Durham Ballpark. And so you've got all these business people who can go down and just catch a ball game after work. Um, it's created a nice little starting point, And from there, it's been spreading out. You know, Brightleaf was there before American Tobacco, but it's, you know, they have started to connect. They've actually started to spread out. So that's, you know, even where I work is uh, City Center, right off Main Street. And there's new businesses opening all the time. There's Nice new restaurants, uh, new bars opening up. It's really become you know a place you can walk around in the evening, and it's not doesn't just close down. Raleigh and Durham both used to just close down around like eight. And there'd be nothing open. I think there were like nests of really bad areas, but because Durham has always been really hard uh, to drive around um, because it used to have almost entirely one way streets. It was so easy to get lost, and all of a sudden you'd be in a neighborhood that you weren't familiar with, and you couldn't easily find yourself in a bad neighborhood very quickly. Um, So people would basically stick to, like, right next to uh, Duke University um, or the ballpark and then head immediately home. Um, A few years ago, they did something similar to uh, what Raleigh did as far as... You know, just re engineered the roads. And so now Main Street in Durham is, once you get on Main Street, you can find just about anything because it goes both directions. And if you get a little bit lost, you just turn around and go back, as opposed to being like flung into one of the outer neighborhoods. Um, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why the, um, Ringside, the bar, uh, that was a holdout for a long time, uh, finally went out of business because nobody could find the place twice. But now they've got so much, you know, free parking at night and easy access, you can walk to anything there's lots of developers who are putting a lot of money into it so it's really starting to, to come back so I'd say um, it's a little bit behind Raleigh as far as uh, money and development but it's catching up, it's starting to get its own momentum, even with the economic downturn recently, It's there's still tons of development going on Derms, uh reminds me of Philadelphia a lot more, as far as it feels like a real city it's got um, people who live downtown, who uh, work downtown and don't immediately take off after work. You know, it just has more of a, an old city vibe as a population concentration in a small area. So it's a little more, it feels a little more like dense and lively, even though it is not as well developed as Raleigh right now, because Raleigh just seems to, you know, people stick close to campus or Glenwood South and the city center of Raleigh has gotten very little attention. Um, The only other thing I'd say about um, Durham versus Raleigh is that um, what I've seen in Durham over the last couple of years is how many new small businesses have been coming here. Just like I like to find older houses and fix them up, I think a lot of businesses are saying, you know, I think Durham is a really great place to start a business because you can hire people, you know, from Raleigh, Durham or Chapel Hill and it won't be a terrible commute because Durham is right in the middle of everything. Um, I think Durham is going to, like, I know Cary has tried really, really hard for the last 15 years to be like the destination point for the center of the triangle and Morrisville uh, to a lesser degree, but I think Durham is really the right place. Um, it's just perfectly set, you know, in between all of the, the, the major areas. And uh, and like I said, it's coming along really nicely.
7: I on the Triangle also spoke to Comenda's wife, Rachel Neighbors. Neighbors is a much newer transplant to the Triangle area, having only lived here for about a year. Her perspective is slightly different. The difference between Durham and Raleigh as far as activities go, I would say that Raleigh is definitely more spread out than Durham is. With Durham, it's pretty much all in one location unless you count the South Point Mall. That whole area is kind of off on its own, but that's mostly because people from Cary like to go there. Durham, it, its downtown is more, I don't know, it, it doesn't feel like the downtown is kind of a Disney world of downtowns. When you come to Raleigh's downtown, it feels a little fake as far as downtowns go. Like, everything's just a little too twee, a little too perfect, and the stores are not the sort of places... At least not in all areas, that, you know, starving college kids can go to and that sort of thing, starving artists, as, as I've been. I feel like Durham just offers a, a wider variety of fun little things to do downtown. But for actual activities, I would say that Raleigh has more of, um, as far as professional schmoozing goes, Raleigh definitely has more activities going on. If you want to meet people from business groups like there are many linkedin uh meetups for instance there's linkedin live that takes place in raleigh it's where you know professionals from all over the place get together and trade business cards and there's also a lot of web development groups drupal hack night people who like to get together and just code and geek out so in that regard i would say that raleigh definitely has one up on durham but durham has a bigger I, I personally feel that Durham has more cool indie designer kids there. Whenever I'm going to a web design meetup, it's in Durham. Whenever I'm going to a web development meetup, it's in Raleigh. So there does seem to be a bit of a schism. Uh, if you just want to, like, have $5 in your pocket, and bum around and poke your noses into weird cafes and things, that's Durham. But if you, I don't know, want to go shopping for... I don't know presents gifts whatever it is people are supposed to shop for but I never do I suppose you'd go to Raleigh it depends on what you're comfortable with I personally feel more comfortable in Durham because it reminds me of little hometown places that I used to go to when I was growing up like downtown Mount Airy and uh, downtown Stewart back up in uh, Virginia Raleigh's downtown doesn't resemble him in one little bit now Durham's fine I've seen rougher places than that up north this has been Caitlin Cawley for Eye on the Triangle.
4: Thanks for that, Caitlin. We hear a lot of different opinions on people's perceptions of Durham and Raleigh, like you just heard in Joseph and Rachel's interviews. Kyle, what are your thoughts about the whole thing?
6: Uh, I think, well, first off, Joseph and Rachel were very uh, very pro-Durham, I believe. and was, uh, they, didn't, they didn't have a lot of nice things to say about Raleigh, but uh, I think they, they reflect uh, a growing movement that I have myself have noticed in the triangle of, uh, uh, I don't know what they call them, the, the young hit professional the dilettantes if it was, uh choosing Durham over Raleigh. Uh you know, it used to be the Chapel Hill in Carborough. you know, when I was in high school, you know, eight years ago, all the all the young artsy kids that wanted to get out and wanted to make something of themselves, wanted to get out of Durham. And get to Chapel Hill, and now it seems like there's an influx. Now they live in Chapel Hill. Everybody says, you know, man, I got to get to Durham because Durham is where it's it's at now. That's all the the cool spot. So I think I definitely noticed that in them. You know, they seem like like young artsy folks, and, uh, and uh, Durham was their place over Raleigh. One thing that totally struck me is that both of them mentioned this. You know, and uh, Joseph especially, he said Durham is the real city, and, and Raleigh is is sort of the 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 artificial one. And uh, and, uh it's, it's funny you struck me like that because first off, Durham is is uh, markedly smaller than raleigh uh, in terms of population at this point but uh it's still the one that many people prefer to as the city and uh, i kind of laughed when he mentioned uh the downtown which one do you prefer which do well that's a very very broad question um i mean i think and uh, rachel sort of nailed this but i think she was a bit too harsh on raleigh i think you know uh each city in the triangle has it has its own uh its own little thing uh you know uh Mostly the, the triangle, i say, was split down one line. Durham and Chapel Hill seem to be one agglomerated area, and then there, there's a break between when you get to Raleigh, uh, both in terms of geographical, and a geographical sense and in a uh, in a lifestyle sense. I think uh, Durham is the place for cool young professionals in their 20s, that's fresh out of college, that, you know, uh, want to still have some fun, want to have a nightlife, uh, want to live in somewhere fresh and exciting. Uh, I think Raleigh is still the place for uh, young upstarts, young families, and I think, you know, Rachel said this too, uh, uh, all of the the industry, all the the business, uh, is in Raleigh, whereas all the the creativity seems to be in Durham at this point.
4: Absolutely, Hal. You wanted to talk a little bit about the history of the cities. What did you have to say about
6: that? Yeah, actually, the history has a lot to do with this because uh, you know, especially because both of them talked about downtown and uh, and to get a, a sort of feeling on why downtown Durham, why time, why downtown Raleigh are the way they are, you kind of need to go back to the history around it. Uh, so uh, we'll start with Raleigh. Raleigh was actually uh, chosen by the General Assembly to be the new state capital. Actually, it wasn't even a city; it was just a random geographical place in the state that was sort of near the center of the state. And general, somebody said, "We'll we'll put it here." And actually, a uh, rumor has it that they put it there because it was near a, a popular tavern, uh, Isaac Hunter's Tavern, which was frequented by state legislators. I won't. Get into whether or not that was true, but that was uh, a that, that's the explanation that I get a lot of time. So Raleigh was uh designated as the state capital in 1788, right when uh, North Carolina became a state, and it was officially founded in 1792. So from the very beginning, Raleigh was basically just picked a, a place out in the out in the woods where they they carved out the streets. That's why if you go to downtown Raleigh, the streets are completely square uh, and everything is, is well organized. And I think to this day, the legacy of that is that Raleigh has a much better infrastructure than Durham because. Raleigh, from day one, has been planned out. You have a planned downtown, you have a planned Beltline, and then we have 540 going around, whereas Durham, uh, anybody who commutes in Durham knows it's, it's absolutely terrible. But uh, We'll get into that later. But Durham, uh, the history of Durham, Durham was actually officially incorporated uh, in 1853. Uh, it basically rose organically as a railroad depot between Raleigh and Hillsborough, which uh, is a town in Orange County which served as the provisional capital before Raleigh. Um, so it sprang up as a, a railroad depot between Raleigh and Hillsboro, uh, and it is named after a physician named Bartlett S. Durham, who actually donated the land that the, rail re- or the railroad depot was on. So uh, contrary to a popular myth, Durham is actually not named after Durham, England. You can tell your friends that. Uh, so Durham grew after the Civil War. Uh, several tobacco companies came in, uh, most notably among them the Bull Durham Tobacco Company, which gives the Durham Bulls and Bull City the nickname of Durham, its name. And uh, also among them, Washington Dukes, uh, company named Duke & Sons Tobacco Company, and Washington Duke lends his name to Duke University. Uh, so, actually, Durham was the only, if you will, organic city out of the three, Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill, because Chapel Hill also was chartered by the General Assembly uh, to be the location of UNC, and it actually wasn't a town uh, prior to the university's existence. So, Durham was actually the only, you know... Uh, City to actually rise up in the classical city sense, uh, you know, just being a, a commercial hub, which which rose through industry. And I think that's why, uh, you know, Rachel and Joseph both said that Durham is the city of the two. Because if you go to downtown Durham, there's, there's factory buildings. The streets are all kinds of crazy ways. You get lost all the time. It's because... You, there wasn't these checks in place that there were in Raleigh. There, there, nobody in Durham said, all right, we're going to make all the streets square. No, you just had a railroad depot, and then everybody built their roads out from that, and that's kind of why Durham is a bit crippled from an infrastructure standpoint uh, in that way. Although, as you said, they have made travel a lot easier in downtown, but it's still downtown to, to Durham, to say the least, has a lot more character uh, than downtown Raleigh. And actually, uh, the etymology of the term triangle is actually pretty interesting, too, because uh, the term "the triangle was used sparingly starting in the 50s, a little bit before that, Um, It was initially just used to describe NC State, Duke, and UNC, and not the actual cities of Durham, Raleigh, and Chapel Hill. Uh, It became uh, sort of synonymous with the cities in 1958 when RTP was developed. And uh, an interesting fact about the uh, three cities, uh, also the television markets also proliferated the use of the term triangle because prior to the 1950s, there really weren't... uh, many large television stations that could broadcast the signal strong enough to reach all three cities. So starting in the 50s, you had television stations serving uh, all three cities. And, uh, you know, which one they they put an emphasis on has always been uh, a spot of contention. Like uh, I remember when I was growing up in Durham, my dad used to always complain and say, you know, you're watching WRAL and they'll say, you know, oh, the president came to Durham today, led a parade through downtown, gave $2 billion in federal money, blah, 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 blah. Oh, there's a now a 10-minute feature segment about a woman in Cary whose dog can bark the national anthem. I mean, it is kind of funny. You know, when you're in Raleigh, it's very convenient to watch WRL, I think, because they give you the lowdown on everything that's going on in Raleigh. And it's great. But if you're watching from Durham and Chapel Hill, you kind of think, man, they kind of forgot us. But, uh... That's sort of the Ed of the Triangle, and uh, it, it's, it's got a sorted history. And actually, most people don't know this, but Durham was actually a much larger city than Raleigh for uh, most of the first half of the 20th century. Uh, it became larger than Raleigh in the early 20th, 20th century, and Raleigh didn't retake uh, population lead until 1958, um, after which they were pretty close. But actually, Durham went through a industrial bust at the time uh, most of big tobacco was going down. And actually went through a period of slight depopulation in the 70s, and then uh, by then Raleigh continued to grow. So Raleigh is actually today a much larger city. I think its uh, last census was 392,000 for Raleigh and 240,000 for Durham. So Raleigh is actually markedly larger at this point.
4: Interesting. Yet we're called Raleigh-Durham International Airport, and not the
6: opposite. Uh, That's actually a contention that a lot of people brought up. And in 1940, the population of Durham was 60,195 and Raleigh was 46,879. And I say this because Raleigh-Durham International Airport was commissioned in 1939 and it opened in 1943. Uh, The story behind it was it was commissioned to serve both Raleigh and Durham because there was a small airport south of downtown Raleigh, but it it was pretty small. And uh, this whole project was subsidized by Eastern Airlines, which wanted to uh, make Raleigh-Durham a stop on the way from New York to Miami. So uh, the General Assembly uh, set this out with the support of Eastern Airlines, built this uh, airport, but they didn't actually name it. Uh, So all the Durham papers called it Durham-Raleigh Airport. All the Raleigh papers called it Raleigh-Durham Airport. Now, people in in Durham or Durham historians will tell you that it makes absolutely no sense that it was called the Raleigh-Durham Airport because A, Durham was larger, and B, from a strict alphabetical sense, D comes before R. So there's really no reason why it should have been called Raleigh-Durham, but... That is the influence of the Capitol, as it were, that has a a, a big effect on Raleigh versus Durham. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle. This is your VIP segment with Adam Compton. Today on the phone, I have Mayor Bill Bell, a Democrat in 2001, was elected mayor of Durham. Mayor Bell, what can you tell us about Durham and what's going on in Durham?
8: Well, that's that's a pretty general question. A lot of positive things are happening in the city of Durham. Uh, Obviously, uh, at least during the time period that I've had the privilege of serving as mayor since 2001. Uh, we have done a lot in a public-private way in terms of uh, redeveloping our downtown Durham a sort of a renaissance. Uh, uh, we've created the American Tobacco Campus. Uh, we've uh, just recently opened the Durham Performing Arts Center, a 2,800-seat Performing Arts Center, probably the largest between Washington and Atlanta, with... Uh, top-name performers and top-name Broadway uh, shows that are appearing here. And we just closed out the first year, which was very successful, and it looks like uh, this coming year is going to be even more successful. Uh, we renovated the old Durham Athletic Park, known as the DAP, which is the home for the uh, Durham Bulls at one time, and will now be the home for the North Carolina Central University baseball team, as well as the American Legion. Number seven will be playing baseball, and Durham School Lodge will also use the field to play a baseball games. And it will continue to be a venue for such uh, programs as the Durham Blues Festival and a host of other uh, good, quality type uh, venues. Just a host of uh, good positive things that happen in the downtown area. But uh, we've also focused on redeveloping uh, some of our inner city neighborhoods, uh, especially those that have been. The hardest hit economically and housing-wise, et cetera.
6: What do you see as Durham's role in the overall Triangle area?
8: Well, again, in in terms of the city council and uh, what we do, we we try to create an environment uh, for to encourage the private sector to come in uh, to help provide uh, quality-type housing. For example, our downtown, we try to make that a 24-7 uh, destination point where people are working there, and they come there to live, and they come for good quality entertainment. Uh, Durham Bulls, baseball parks, and Durham Performing Arts Center. Uh, I mean, one of the other things we just opened, and I just failed to mention that, but it was a very, very important piece. In Northeast Central Durham, uh, we did a joint partnership with the Durham County Commissioners, the uh, City of Durham, and... University Health System, where we took a middle school called Holton Middle School, which had been vacated for many years. It's uh, been, been declared surplus by the Durham Public School System. Uh, we jointly went in and renovated that developed that school, about 104,000 square feet, and now will be the site for a vocational high school. In addition, our parks and recreation will provide uh, programs in that facility. And Duke University Health System has established a health clinic, uh, which is right in the center of northeast central Durham. And I think going to be a callus for a lot of other good things to happen in the community.
9: But if you look at
8: Durham as a whole and its role that it plays in the triangle, uh, we obviously try to partner wherever we can.
4: That was Durham Mayor Bill Bell on Eye in the Triangle's VIP. Kyle, what are your thoughts on, about his interview?
6: Uh, I think he said uh, a lot of the same things that people have been saying before, that uh, Durham is going through a bit of a downtown renaissance. You know, I always joke with people that 10 years ago, if you go through downtown Durham, portions of it looked like it had been bombed. Um, it, it, was, it was pretty rough, but... Uh, I have to hand it to uh, a Christian Leitner and uh, and Blue Devil Ventures, who uh, I know most people, uh, NC State fans and UNC fans around the Triangle don't have a very fond memories of Christian Leitner on the basketball court, but uh, his company actually did spearhead the uh, the new American Tobacco campus. So, uh, you know, and, and that's actually been been huge. Uh, WUNC is actually uh, located inside American Tobacco. They've relocated from Chapel Hill. Uh, a lot of other businesses have relocated to the new uh, West Village area of downtown Durham. Uh, so downtown Durham actually has been going through uh, a great renaissance uh, in the last eight years. It's gone from a place that uh, not a lot of people want to be around. Uh, had a reputation, you know, for being uh, terribly filled with crime, terrible old, you know, uh, and dilapidated. I, and in fact, I remember, you know, ten years ago in a, in a high school civics class we used to actually read the Herald sun every week and i remember reading articles every week about the the donut effect uh in durham about how nobody lived in downtown durham and everybody only lived in the edges around and actually mayor bell talked about the opposite they talked about how more and more people have been coming into downtown and like i said before you know all, all the new young people actually want durham as the place to be again actually so uh, there's been a a spike in population and he mentioned a uh, light rail too uh which would be i think uh a good option uh for connecting the two cities and we're talking about the disconnection between raleigh and durham but if we want to create a real connection to get people traveling between raleigh and durham i think a light rail would be a viable option although i'm glad he's delaying the referendum on the on the sales tax increase because we are in a recession and we just had another hike in it but we won't get into that on this show
4: (laughs) well that was really great thanks for joining us kyle um do you have any last thoughts or anything about that
6: Um, You know, and, uh, you know, we've talked about the the divide between Durham and Raleigh, but Durham and Raleigh have a a lot in common, too. Uh, I think our our main point of discussion on this is just seeing, you know, uh, what the future holds for each city, uh, what each city has come to be known for in in its current incarnation, and uh, how each city can can improve. And I think uh, Durham is making great strides right now, uh, becoming more of an entertainment center uh, in the Triangle, being less of a a place that people think is, you know, all uh, dirty ghettos and, and crime. Uh, and Raleigh itself has been a you know nonstop, uh, a bustling city. I think uh, if anything, what we've seen from the interviews that we saw today, and what other people want, is that uh, people wish Raleigh would have a bit more, uh, I guess, character and culture uh, that that Durham has had throughout the, uh, you know, throughout the its history. But I think both cities are great cities, and I think uh, you know people need to come together, not uh, stay apart. People from Durham need to go to Raleigh. People from Raleigh need to go to Durham, and uh, I think they need to both see what everything is about.
4: Absolutely, thanks again, Kyle. And now we'll move on to Hear This.
0: Hear this on Eye on the Triangle.
6: Your local music news.
1: If you're planning on catching a local music show this weekend or heading into downtown Raleigh for dinner and a night out, expect to see the creative community on fire. This Thursday starts the fourth annual event known as SparkCon. Earlier, I sat down with Mary Ellis, director of Music Spark, to discuss just what SparkCon is and how music fans can tap into the flame of our local music scene. Mary, how would you describe SparkCon?
5: The way I generally describe it to people is a creative festival that is uniting all the local creative entities in the area so um, that means that it's going to be art film music dancing you know food even the entrepreneurial aspect of it anything that you can think of as creative we generally will open our arms to it
1: and you're heading up music spark yes and that encompasses what
5: okay so what we did was we put out a call for artists so we opened our arms to any local musician and we really said we want any genre so this year we have stuff from jazz to hip-hop to rock we even have the opera and the chorale performing so we were willing to open our arms to anything that wanted to submit their stuff and then we got the venues involved as well so all of like our great downtown venues provided a spot for those and so we worked with them, and some of them actually programmed their own stuff as well. So we just kind of said, you know, this is open. You can program your own stuff. You can pull from our pool of artists. We also have a main stage. We're potentially going to open up the street for people to busk um, that have gone through SparkCon, like the SparkCon application process. So it's just going to be them from every direction. Open so.
1: up the street as in, like, block off a square?
5: Mm-hmm. SparkCon is actually blocking off from the Capitol building to Martin Street and then two blocks on Hargett.
1: And that's new this year, correct?
5: It is. In the past years, they've had a stage over on Moore Square, but apparently we've outgrown it.
1: You outgrew the Moore Square stage.
5: I don't know if it was so much the stage, though this year's stage will actually be higher and it'll have more of a real official feel. But I know that they were talking about how, because they always have street painting as well, and they were just saying that it was all over the place, and they just needed more room. So,
1: so we're looking at Fayetteville Street between what streets again?
5: Um, between the Capitol and Martin Street.
1: So let's talk um, a little bit about growing from last year into this year, from not blocking the street to blocking the street. Do you think that's reflective of the growth of Raleigh or the growth of local music?
5: Well, I definitely do think that the creative entities are growing in, in number and in size, but um, I think it's also a matter of The networking of those creative entities, which is a really big, I personally think it's a really big focus of SparkCon and a a really great outcome. You know, if you have, like, let's take, you know, Lily's Pizza. So they're a great local food place, you know, locally run, but they also provide wall space for art. So you've brought those two together and helped everybody involved. If you take that and then you expand it to all creative entities in the triangle, then you know if you bring the people together they will find ways to promote each other and help each other out and grow the base i think that in general it's been a spreading of this this networking and i think that the great thing about the music is that it's scattered all over the downtown area and because of that you have people that go to their normal places that are going to pick up on more than they normally would so if you walked into slims We would have a Music Spark or we'd have the SparkCon pamphlet. And then they could find out that, oh, there's something really awesome going on over at Two T's. I've never even been in Two T's. Kind of makes it more cohesive. And what show are you most excited about? Oh, gosh, there are are lots, actually. I'm really excited about Soul Spark on Saturday at the Poor House. But I'm also really excited about kind of like an indie rock lineup at Tiernanog on Thursday to kind of kick things off. Um, which
1: is WKNC's local beer local yes, band. It night. Is, yes, it is which we
5: all love. So, um Chris Tamplin over there helped us put that together and um I think that'll be a really exciting jump start. There's also going to be a roots show at the Poorhouse, House so it's going to be like bluegrass and all kinds of good stuff. So,
1: And all the venues still apply their uh their 21 or 18 and up rules as they do on usual venue nights and such rules still apply for this weekend
5: yes ultimately it's going to just be it's going to seem like everything's operating like usual but there are going to be more logos and more hype and more spark exactly exactly
1: what have you guys done this year i know in the past they've talked about well it's awesome for raleigh to do this but we're a triangle of cities raleigh durham Mm -hmm. and chapel hill and it goes very much so for our music what have you guys done this year to pull into raleigh durham and chapel hill
5: Well, we've definitely reached out to different bands all throughout the Triangle. In fact, we even reached out to a couple bands from, like, the mountains because we know that, you know, we have great great musicians all across the state. So we do make sure to open up the call to musicians all around the Triangle. So we tried to get that out to people in Durham and Chapel Hill as well. So we definitely want everybody involved because it is a wealth of stuff all around the area.
1: Nice. And then for constant updates and even more... In focus, uh, source and networking, how can we uh, follow what's going on with SparkCon?
5: The best way to do it will be to go to www.sparkcon.com. That's dot com, And there will be up-to-the-minute updates because there's constant tweaking going on. So that will be the best. And any
1: Twitter feeds that listeners can check up to see?
5: We do have a Twitter feed. It's SparkConner. Um,
1: C-O-N-N-E-R. Indeed. So we can follow you on Twitter and we have the, a website at sparkcon.com. And the kickoff starts Thursday?
5: It is. We have Idea Spark at the um, Marbles Kids Museum starting at 6 o'clock on Thursday and that'll get everything going.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Mary, for coming in. Thank you. Information about the local music scene and bands like the one you're hearing right now, the old ceremony, you can visit wknc.org slash blog.
4: Don't forget. Don't forget to check out Telekinesis, who is playing tonight at Tiernanoga Irish Pub. Miss Kelly interviewed them, and that's available on our blog at WKNC.org.
0: Community Canvas
10: on Eye on the Triangle.
4: Your local arts news.
10: It is the ever-evolving goal of Community Canvas to cover the flourishing art scene in the Triangle area. How does it exist? Where can we find it? Is it or can it be self-sustaining? If anyone were to have the answers to these questions and more, it would be Sarah Powers. After moving to the area from Providence, Rhode Island, she worked in development at the Carolina Ballet before taking over as Executive Director of the Visual Art Exchange in Raleigh, whose mission is providing opportunities to emerging artists and enriching the cultural environment of the community through its exhibitions and programs. Powers also just so happens to be heading up the Art Spark portion of SparkCon, the self described showcase of creativity, talent, and ideas of the Triangle, North Carolina. She is what SparkCon calls a bobblehead, a key organizer of the event. The term bobblehead refers to, well, we'll see what she has to say about that. She was gracious enough to sit down with us to talk about art in the Triangle. Let's talk about the big picture of Art Spark. Like, how many people do you aspire to get involved?
11: Well, we've always had about 450. And this year, uh, we added a bunch of new events to Art Spark. Art Spark went from two, maybe three events to seven events. So we have our anchor, which is the street painters, and we had to sell that out. We have 500 street painters coming to turn Fable Street into a work of art. We've also got five artists doing art installations in pods, portable on demand storage units. Uh So that's the coolest thing. They're using them as mini galleries for. Installation artwork. That's cool. And then Joe Carnavali, an NC State student, is right. coming to do a barrel head. Yes.
10: <laughs> we, we might not all know the name, but we definitely know what he's famous for. Yes. It's the barrel monster. Absolutely. So we're going to have a
11: spark monster. <laughs> Everyone should come down and see what it is. Very interesting. We know yeah. that for sure. Then we've got two groups of painters that will paint live. We've got plein air painters who will come and paint. This is what's going on the street and the abstract artists who will mm-hmm. do their thing. We've also got an exhibition down on Fayetteville Street uh, curated by Molly Miller and Visual Art Exchange, a wonderful collection of mm-hmm. artists. And we have an image slam and digital gallery that has about 120 wow. artists in it. So whew, wow. we are jam packed and it's a yeah. wonderful showcase, I think. Um, Visual artists in the Triangle are really strong. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of them, and this is a great way for them all to connect together. This is one of our best programs, and we do get grant money from the city of Raleigh and the the Arts Commission and the United Arts Council of raleigh Mm Wake County to make this happen, but we spend it all on (laughs) the event, which is wonderful. absolutely.
10: One of the things that we're trying to focus on with Community Canvas is, is there support for art? How can art exist, especially in Raleigh? So it sounds like you guys
11: get a lot of support from the top. We get a tremendous amount of support. We're very lucky in the triangle. Uh, There's just a lot of enthusiasm for art. There's Uh a lot of people who are willing to step up and help out. For example, the pods are being donated, and he's giving each of the artists a pod to work on for a few months. They've been up at their Briar Creek that's place, great. and then yeah. they'll deliver them. They
10: come on the truck, bring them Put down. Them, bring them
11: down, it's actually a Podzilla. The, the Podzilla will bring them down. The <laughs> Put them right on the and Street. And that's a
10: nice weatherproof aspect. Absolutely, yeah.
11: we um, really wanted to expand the artwork. Nancy Baker's curating that part of it, and she, she had a great idea of bringing art out into the streets and letting artists do something unexpected. And this is a great way to really do that on a mm-hmm. big scale.
10: So this is the fourth year of SparkCon. Where do you see it being four years from now?
11: It's a good question. I started my involvement four years ago, Ali and I.
10: And Ali is? Ali
11: Khalifa is a bobblehead and the founder of DesignBox. Ali and I realized we were both trying to throw smaller events on the same weekend. Mm -hmm. And we said, let's partner. Let's do this together. SparkCon was sort of in its infancy and thought of as a conference. And we're looking for some things to showcase so that Mm -hmm. the conference goers could really get a taste of what's going on in the triangle and show each other what they do. So that partnership was born pretty close, you know, like to six months prior to the first Uh SparkCon. And he, along with some of his colleagues at DesignBox, had been looking for a creative showcase and Uh conference and a way to get people together, tell each other what they're doing, brainstorm. So it really worked out. um, And it grew quickly even that first year. Someone said, I can do a fashion show then we quickly had a wonderful showcase of triangle talent we're called bobbleheads uh, sort of leadership that says okay that's a good idea how are we going to make this happen (laughs) okay and we nod our heads throughout that process obviously it's it's hard to make things happen um but what we found is that if one person's choosing everything you don't get a very diverse event and you don't get very deep into what people are doing but if you've got a great team of 20 people who are Uh in the music industry in the theater into dance and have great resources to draw on What shows up is a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm.
10: Now, let's talk a little bit about the Visual Art Exchange, who is obviously very heavily connected to SparkCon.
11: Absolutely. We're a 30-year-old visual arts nonprofit.
10: That's the oldest arts nonprofit in Raleigh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
11: The first group of organizers was eight or nine people who got around a kitchen table and said, we want a place that's non-commercial for artists to show their
10: work. It's really cool that that's the way everything starts out, isn't it? Right? It's that
11: grassroots mentality where... um. People who just have enthusiasm and a good idea can make it happen. And right. Raleigh's a kind of town where that happens a lot. BAE's evolved in those mm. thirty years, um, but our mission has stayed relatively the same. It's to support emerging artists and mm. then connect the community to the arts. So we do a lot of things to do that. We right. we have exhibitions. We're we partner to produce SparkCon. Mm-hmm. We have a business of being an artist series this fall. Right. Partnered with Meredith College. We're all partnering too. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, it really it allows us to stay nimble. Uh-huh. Um, emerging artists change. We do community exchange exhibits sort right. of similar to, you know, having here here at Cat's exactly. Cradle. Like, we couldn't support a music right. thing at our venue, but right. there's venues that do it great. So yeah. we, we really rely heavily on the partnerships uh-huh. of the community. What do you
10: picture being the obstacles in the years to come? for Visual Art Exchange, for SparkCon, for the arts community in general?
11: I think one of the things, SparkCon and Visual Art Exchange and probably the arts as a whole, are growing fast, just as Raleigh is. There's new artists all the time, there's a new audience that's building. So just making sure that we're growing wisely and not going to let it get to be something that we can't really keep under taps or we can't handle or things like that. Um, Mm-hmm. Although if it got out of our hands, I think that would be okay too. <laughs> right. But I think right. the organizations and um, the sort of the events, that they just we just need to be careful that they don't get to be so they're not allowing emerging artists right. to be part of it and not allowing new people to get involved. The downtown scene is so vibrant because of what artists and mm-hmm. galleries and the music venues and the local retailers have made mm-hmm. it. Right. It's that street level is really right. what matters in a city to keep it vibrant. And if that gets pushed out, that that'll really change mm-hmm. what downtown's
10: like. So what's Visual Art Exchange's role in helping to make sure that happens? I mean how how do you do that?
11: Well we try to uh, do it from sort of a grassroots level where we're determined to stay mm-hmm. downtown and mm-hmm. determined to support other people who are trying to do their things downtown right. we also have great relationships with lots of people in town that really want us to survive and be successful yeah. as well as the rest of the arts groups in town so we're lucky to have a great city council that's very
10: supportive of the arts. and i guess actions speak louder than words the bigger SparkCon is the better SparkCon is that's that's your lobbying right
11: yeah, absolutely i mean well how great is it for us to sort of open up the book. Say, right. here, look, look, everyone. This right. is how many creative people we have in Raleigh and look at all the cool things they're doing. It's the best way uh-huh. to let someone know who's moved to the area, who mm-hmm. doesn't come downtown too much to sort of go, wow, we have right an awesome, awesome place to live. And it can't be ignored. You know, you can't ignore it. You really cool. can't ignore SparkCon, especially now that we're taking over Fayetteville Street. Yeah. So let's have
10: some quick details. Uh, SparkCon.com. Yes. S P A R K C O N.
11: We've got what? all our events listed there. And then on the Visual Art Exchange website, uh-huh. www.visualartexchange.org, right. we have the Art Spark um, okay. details as
10: well. So the best outlet for anyone who wants to go down and see what's happening at Art Spark is those two websites.
11: Yes. And there's a ton of information. Um, uh-huh. I think if you aim at. Right. Downtown Raleigh next weekend, you'll find lots of great right. things to do and lots of surprises too. And it all starts Thursday. Thursday nights, the kickoff at Marbles. We've got Idea Spark, which will be a really interesting lineup of speakers, and that'll sort of lead right into the music venues yep. around town, yep. having great musicians performing. And then Friday, we're going to bring in all the awesome. artwork. So awesome. it'll be great.
10: If you're interested, SparkCon.com, VisualArtExchange.org, and just watch out for the Podzilla. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else that
11: you'd like to talk about? Well, I just want to thank here Here. Because um, they approached us, said we're doing this great music project with local acts. Would Visual Art Exchange want to be the beneficiary <laughs> of this great thing? And we got to feature one of our artists on the... Or the artwork or the album artwork cover so just thanks to all those guys um, and KNC for talking about it on the radio all the time yeah, It's was awesome yeah. <laughs> like, that's us yay yeah.
10: well thank you so much for coming in and we look forward to all things SparkCon so for more information visualartexchange.org you got it thanks. thank you Sarah
11: thank you <laughs>
8: Student of the Week on Eye on the Triangle.
0: Talking with Wolfpackers that are leading the pack. Tonight, we are talking decapitations, eulogy dodging, and preparing one million meals with Scott Richardson, Eye on the Triangle's Wolfpacker of the Week.
9: Hi, my name's Scott Richardson. I'm a double major in business management and psychology. I'm a senior this year, going on five years. I got involved on campus my sophomore year. My freshman year, I wasn't involved too much, focusing mainly on school. I took 20 credit hours my second semester of my freshman year, but then after that, I decided to focus on some extracurriculars rather than just school. A couple of the organizations I've been involved with have been the Union Activities Board, the C-SLEPS Office, and also Toastmasters. The reason I got involved on campus was just to add a little bit more to my resume, to get some experience outside of the classroom. Another reason was just a lot of the things I was learning in class, I was learning, and then as soon as the tests would come around, I'd forget everything because I wasn't using any of it, and that was something that was really important to me that I would be able to use what I was learning so I could carry it on in the future, use it in my future career, whatever that is. I'm still a little undecided on that for the moment. I've used a lot of the material I've learned in the classroom, especially as a business major, with like the Union Activities Board. I do pretty much everything. I do some marketing, some finance, some human resource, some operations also. But yeah, I get to use a lot of business skills that I've been learning, psychology. I'm always interacting with people, so that I really get to use all the time. With the Union Activities Board last year, one of the main events I did was the All Night Bash. And night was spelled with a K because the theme that year was medieval. It was my first event that I planned. Just going to brag on myself a little bit, it was bigger than the previous years. Probably using some of those business skills that I learned in the classroom, got a chance to apply them. And that was what helped me to be successful with that first event. The most popular event was the Medieval Joust. And what you did was you would try and knock someone else's head off. They would wear a suit, kind of like the sumo wrestling suits, and then they would have a Velcro head attached on top, and you would try and knock the other person's head off. All Night Bash is always held on homecoming week. So last year was actually the 30th All Night Bash, so this year will be the 31st. This homecoming week, it'll probably be on Thursday night. The first organization I talked about was the Union Activities Board. The second one, C-SLEPS, is the Center for Student Leadership, Ethics, and Public Service. They're located in Tally on the third floor. With the C-SLEPS office, I did some more event planning, mostly it was service events. One of my favorite service events that I've done so far was Service NC State. There were probably 500 volunteers who got involved with that. And last year, the the goal was to create over a million meals for people who are starving at the moment. But hopefully with those meals, we can help families to send their kids to school so they can get a hot meal and they also get education at the same time. By doing some of these service projects, it really kind of changed my view of leadership. Before, I thought it was just going up there and telling people what to do and that was it. But when you really look at the service aspect, you realize that leadership and service are the same thing. You'll often hear that a great leader is one who serves the people, not where the people serve him. That was something that really changed for me when I started doing some of the service projects with C-SLEPS. Continuing with the theme of service leadership, another organization that I've got involved with was Toastmasters International. And they again, also focus on those same two aspects, primarily the leadership, but it's a nonprofit and their mission is to help people develop the communication and leadership skills that they need in order to achieve their goals in life. I joined that organization because i never really liked speaking in public. Public speaking is the number one fear. Number two is actually death. So people would rather be six feet under in the coffin than be the one up giving the eulogy. Toastmasters focuses on two different aspects, communication and leadership. And I've been working on both tracks simultaneously. For communication, what you need to do is prepare speeches You give a speech, then you get feedback on it. What did you do well? How can you do better? What can you do to improve? That's what really makes the difference is learning how you can improve your speaking, how you can get better. With the leadership aspect, a couple of the things that you would need to do for that part of it is to be an officer in the club. Last year, I was the vice president of membership, and I was also the president as well. I was the vice president membership the first semester, and then president the second semester. After that, I moved on. Right now, I'm the area governor. I work with five different club presidents and their clubs to help them be successful, help them support their club members to achieve whatever goals Toastmaster is helping them to achieve. Yeah, I really noticed that once I started to get more involved, I started to care a lot more about the school. Before it was just, oh, this is where I'm taking my classes, that's it. I didn't really know anything about NC State. But once I got involved, I had a stake in NC State. I had, It meant something to me. So I actually learned the fight song, went to a couple of the games, would watch them more often, started to put stickers on my car for NC State, just anything I could do to support NC State. because. That's where I go to school. It's not where I sit in a classroom. It's almost an entity in itself. And now I'm a part of that, and I really became a part of it when I started to join organizations on campus.
0: For more information on student organizations at North Carolina State University, visit http colon slash slash s-o-r-c dot O-R-G-S-Y-N-C dot com. Eye on the Triangle would like to pass on three cheers to Scott Richardson, our Wolfpacker of the Week and Toastmaster extraordinaire for his leadership and service. Huzzah, huzzah, huzzah.
10: Soundbites on Eye on the Triangle.
2: Opinions from around the NC State campus. I'm Caitlin
7: Cauley with Eye on the Triangle Soundbites, our look at what the NC State community is really saying. Football season has started, and everyone's got their own opinion on our athletics program. Well, I like, you know, going to the soccer games, football games. They're always, you know, entertaining at least. It's kind of disappointing the way Los lost South Carolina. Nine years in a row kind of happens. No one likes a losing season. Uh, my name is Bo Seleska. I'm a major in uh, political science.
3: I feel like the NC State Athletics, uh, football, we're in a good place. I think we're going to be real good this year. Um, we've put a lot of money into it. Obviously, and a lot of money into the stadium. Probably not as much as we could have into the team, though. Uh, my name
6: is Kyle Yarbrough, and I'm majoring in business. After seeing the first game, I'm a little less than optimistic about the uh, football program and sports here. But um, I think that we have a lot of room for improvement. Okay, my name is Matthew Moore. I'm majoring in computer science.
4: I'm Caitlin Cawley, and this has been Eye on the Triangle Soundbite. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. If you have questions or comments... Send us an email at publicaffairs at or check out our blog at wknc.org. Thanks again.